Hello, we would like to welcome you to Hopeville Conversations for Women, led by two of our pastor's wives here at Inglewood Baptist Church, Jody Aiken and Carolyn Reese. It is our prayer that you rest in the hope only Jesus offers through God's Word in our conversations today. Hello, ladies. Welcome to Hopefield Conversations. I'm Carolyn, and I have Jody. Jody with me. And we are back again with our special guests, Tommy, Anna, and Tracy. They're joining us again this week. So let me stop you right now. If you have not gone and listened to the first podcast with them, please go back and listen to the previous week's podcast and then come and join us again. We are so excited to continue our conversation with them. Um, and we're just going to go ahead and get started, jump right in. Um, so I know as we read Scripture— and the word, um, there are often characters that kind of jump out to us and we kind of identify with them or they resonate with us. And so we asked Tommy and Tracy to consider some character that they really identify with. And Tracy, do you want to share what you selected? Sure, because it seems like an easy question, (laughs) doesn't it? And I wrestled with this. I really did. Uh, But honestly, can't we all relate to each character in the Bible, each woman, depending on the season of our life? Sometimes we're winning at this Christian life. Hashtag winning. Um, We're winning because we're being faithful like Ruth. Or we're winning because we are having humility like the sinful woman at Jesus' feet. Or we're courageous like Esther. Or taking God at his word and submitting to his will even when it doesn't make sense to us like Mary But then sometimes, and this is probably more of me, uh, we're not doing so hot. And in that season, we are more like Eve. We'd rather please ourselves than please God. Or like Sarah, when we doubt God, when he doesn't make good on his promise in the time frame we thought it would be. Or like Lot's wife, looking back, looking for the good old days, or longing for the good old days, or just being a control freak like Jezebel. So I guess for today, and there's uh, lots of reason uh, that I found as I prepared for this, God had a secret message for me, even today, is the Samaritan woman, the mm-hmm. woman at the well. I love, I love her story. It's such a redeeming story. Mm-hmm. And to go into a little bit of backdrop, just to remind us that, you know, the context of what was taking place, uh, this Samaritan woman lived in Samaria. And she was in a small village there. And the Jews typically would go way out of their way to not go through Samaria. Mm-hmm. And But Jesus, when he was with his disciples and they were traveling, you know, he said, I must, I have to go there. That he had, an, you know, mm-hmm. the disciples <laughs> Like, what? Yeah, he had an appointment. Yeah. He had an appointment. And the disciples are like, totally like, okay, I guess we're just going to trust you on this. I can't believe we're doing this. But here we go. And so uh, Jesus and the disciples decide to go there. And it's at uh, the hottest part of the day, it, it was by the time they arrived there. And they arrived at Jacob's well. And so Jesus stayed there while his disciples went to go find some drink and some food. And during this time, a woman comes to the well. And this particular woman, she comes, and we'll we'll read about her in just a second in the scripture to bring it to you. Um, but she she comes at a point when she knows that most of the women in the village would not be out during that because remember it's really hot. Most people are taking a siesta; they're resting in their in their in their homes, or what have you. So to 
uh, escape all all kind of judgment or harassment, she would come out turn that time. So there's the context and the picture there. And let me start reading uh, for you. Let's see, we're in... Um, yeah, we're in John 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and well, um, and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And I'll continue verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do, do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will wor worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That. So Tracy, share with us a little bit about the Samaritan woman and what, what God really spoke to you about through her life. Oh, well, just, uh, I don't know. There's a lot to say because I relate to her so much, hmm. even, well, I kind of divided it up into three parts as I was just thinking through it. Um, I relate to her from uh, where she was from. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we never even, she's not known by her name. Mm -hmm. We never know her name. She's known by her location and what that entailed. Um, and like her, I don't come from a famous family name, a good family name, mm -hmm none to note, you know, noteworthy. Um, she was not educated, not from a wealthy family. Um, plus, with the colorful testimony, she was often looked down on by those who call themselves righteous. Mm -hmm. So I might get in a little trouble here, but it might sting for church folks to hear that, but it's a sad but true indictment on uh, believers sometimes um, when a wretched sinner 
is forgiven and you know we stand up and share our story mm-hmm. that sometimes we're looked down upon even in our faith family um you know and sometimes made to feel inferior less than or even that maybe you're still broken even after you testify that god's healed you um, so i relate to her in that way um, i relate to her and who she was uh, certainly her life wasn't perfect before she met Jesus, uh, nor what she would have chosen for herself or planned, like when she was a little girl playing with her dolls or playing house. So my life before Jesus is not as a little girl what I thought it would be either. Um, And I relate to her. She wasn't shy about pressing for answers that she needed um, for Jesus, from Jesus. She took the risk of looking foolish and I really relate to that. I don't mind asking a dumb question because to me it's not dumb if I don't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need to know the answer. And so. Jesus met her right there where she was. That's with her right. Question. That's so, right. That's and he never scolded her that's right. or acted like she should have known. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't look down at her for that reason. Um, I relate to her in that she was not expecting to find Jesus. She was just thirsty and going to get some water. <laughs> That's um, a good word right But uh, he yeah. was expecting her. In yeah. fact, he went out of his way uh, on purpose for a purpose. Um, she had placed her hope in men and worldly things and to feel the emptiness five times, now six. We don't really know, you know, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but people die and you know, different. So we just don't really know her story, but just the fact that she was coming to that well, you know, leads us to believe that, uh, just think five before in this sixth one, she's just like, I've given up hope. She's almost hopeless, Mm -hmm. you know, because she's not married again. That's kind of how I feel about her. Um, I might be going out on a limb there. Um, but you know, she was searching, Mm -hmm six times in. Um, She wasn't educated, but we see in all of her, I started noting like the different things she said in different verses. And finally I said, her whole conversation proves that she wasn't a dummy. She was maybe a little sassy, you know, some things that she said back to Jesus. You do like to her. (laughs) She might've been a little sassy, Um, you know, like uh, you don't even have a bucket (laughs) or are you better than Jacob? You can't drink this water. Um, And then there's just a few more things like the third uh, phase that I look at is what she became. Mm -hmm. So it's where she was from, who she was and uh, what she became. When, when Jesus revealed her sin, he said, he told her everything she had ever done. She confessed, repented and rejoiced that her sins were forgiven. She left her water pot we all know this story. We know, mm-hmm. you know, her old life, she left it behind, or her future plans. Um, well, to, let me stop you. I yeah. don't know that everybody would have oh, seen that. maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. When, when you, you yeah. Leaving, the, leaving her pot, I, I don't know if I remember hearing someone say that before, oh. leaving her pot there meaning leaving her old life there, mm-hmm. and she went. Or so, future plans. Yeah. You know, like her routine mm-hmm. was upset. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. like, mm-hmm. usually I just come get my water and go home and cook dinner. Yeah. Right. Um, but this is going to interrupt my life, what I had planned. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to set that aside. And then, you know, you can read into it, too. And I've read somewhere in the last week or so, it was so good that, you know, she was planning on coming back. Mm. She left right. her pot because she was going to go get the townspeople to come mm-hmm. 
meet Jesus. She was going right, to be but that the analogy of her, she she left her old self. It made me think of First uh, mm-hmm. Thessalonians one three, where it says, "As we pray to our God and Father about you, we thank you." They say, "Wait, is that the right one? I think I got the wrong one." <laughs> Well, it's that though. Yeah, you know uh, what I'm talking yeah, about. It's like leaving leaving, leaving the, the old and, and the yeah, new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. That was for a different, um, mm-hmm. yeah, wrong verse. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's good, though. Yeah. yeah. Leaving her life and being transformed by what was she being said. She let Jesus interrupt her life. Absolutely. Maybe we just say it that way, right? Mm-hmm. And so Oh, no, I yeah. found it in my Yay. notes. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so uh, she's been made new. If anyone is in Christ, she uh, is a new creation, and things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians 5.17. Nice save. Nice save. You see how it weaves right in. He does it on purpose. He does. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but like her, she went, let's think about this thing. She's going time of day to avoid people. These people are, they mistreat her. Maybe they have good reason to talk about her, right? She's living with someone. She's not married, Mm -hmm. but she's a topic of gossip. Mm -hmm. And so she's probably treated poorly, but she is fearlessly and boldly going back to share her testimonies. Like I got to own up. Right. This is how I live my mm-hmm. life. Isn't yeah. it interesting? She goes to the town and it says to tell the men. She was well known. Well, five of them might have been there. <laughs> <laughs> Number six was probably there. You know, yeah, that right. she's saying, you know, and her out, that whole encounter with her and Jesus, what mm-hmm. she took away was, even though he knows everything that I've done in my past, he still accepts me mm-hmm. and forgives me. Yes. And then that means he can forgive you too. That's right. That's right. So That's when I share yeah. my testimony, some people have, you know, kind of criticized, which is fine, and said, you might have not had to go so dark with that. But it's like, but there might be somebody out there who mm-hmm. doesn't think that God can redeem them yeah. because it might be even darker but yeah so i relate to her in that that mm-hmm. you know you just gotta be transparent about mm-hmm. things that have to be honest because somebody out there needs to hear that mm-hmm. and then you know i relate to her that almost immediately um i wanted my friends and family to know that they could be saved and so mm-hmm. to go immediately and share the gospel mm-hmm. that's just how it happened in my life because i really felt like you know, I, up until this point, I've really lived my life for my own self, and I've just wasted all this time. Mm-hmm. And so it just had like an urgency, mm-hmm. and she had that urgency. Yeah. And she didn't go back to town and go with on with her regular routine. She didn't wait for an opportunity mm-hmm. to, you know, as I live my life, shared little nuggets. It was, I'm kicking down the door. This we're learning about Messiah. We're, he's here. Yeah. Come and see him. Come. So she's like introducing people to Jesus. So Mm -hmm. I relate with her and, you know, she ends up being a great example to us of a great evangelist. Mm -hmm. We look at this story and study it, that Jesus sent her out. He Mm -hmm. sent out someone who was probably was divorced, Mm -hmm. was a hot, the hot mess express. (laughs) He (laughs) shined it up and sent it out of the station. And, you know, it kind of turns our worldly, views on qualifications for a great evangelist because if i would ask you name a great evangelist that you know it would be billy graham and if we dissect who he is he's a man yeah 
who's very educated, probably had a PhD. He had lots of experience to be sent out, a sent out missionary person, uh, because he was a believer for 50 plus years, probably 60 years. Um, And he had a great reputation and he lived his life righteously. Well, Jesus turns that upside down that even someone like me and like the Samaritan woman can be considered a missionary and be sent out as one. Because if Jesus sent her out, I guess she's okay. <laughs> I think she's okay. No, that, that's good because, you know, we all have different stories, but we all have the same message. Right. And, you know, the different stories relate to different people, to the people that God has ordained your story to connect with. Mm-hmm. And that he wants, you know, for you that are listening right now, whatever your story is, mm-hmm. stop shying away from sharing it because someone needs to hear your story to go, I am redeemable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can be loved right. and I can have hope. So mm-hmm. there is there is great, um, yeah. yeah, need to share your story mm-hmm. and just recognizing it doesn't matter what your story is because ultimately what matters is the message and the message right. of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to me. She didn't go to seminary and neither did I. Mm-hmm. But what she had was the only qualification needed is she had a story because she met Jesus That's and right. he transformed her life. Mm-hmm. And she was very effective because we read later the townspeople believed. Mm-hmm. And then they admit we don't believe just because of your testimony, because of, you know, we've yeah. seen Jesus for two days. We've been around and we believe in him for ourselves. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. I mean, Good. just a little tidbit here and there no, that no, I relate no, to so much good. from this it, story. It's all, it's all about that divine appointment. Yeah, you know, right. she wasn't expecting her life to be changed in a moment mm-hmm. when she was doing a regular routine mm-hmm. about her day. And yet Jesus saw her before he ever got there, and he knew that she was going to be there, and he had that appointment. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I love that he saw her. I mean, she Mm -hmm. was a woman, so that was one one notch against her. And then a Samaritan woman, but Mm -hmm. Jesus saw her, and Jesus, that was his goal. His goal that day was to go and meet her. And I love that. I love that. Yeah, and we, seminary is a great thing. I'm not knocking that, but... We shouldn't hinder someone who hasn't been to seminary. You know, we all, it's every member ministry, I guess, we're all the royal priesthood. We all have the story and the responsibility to go and share. Mm -hmm. And so we're, I just, there's so many lessons that's so rich, this story, Mm -hmm. what we learn. And two, I'm just thinking about even in just preparing this, the Lord just really spoke to me. It's a current, fresh word. Mm. Think mm-hmm. about those townspeople, you know, and you might edit out this, <laughs> but she could have, they treated her badly. She could have just said they can just go to hell, mm. but she did not. She. This teaches us that we can rise above and think of people eternally, mm-hmm. that we're all eternal souls. And we're told to do that later on in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Is to view everyone from the lens of eternity. And what matters is that, not the temporary right now. And so for me, it kind of teaches she her response. So I think you guys talked about it today, maybe in your podcast, uh, I don't know, a podcast mm-hmm. Uh, on Stephen, maybe, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like whether our response, if we react, yeah, to our yeah. response, yeah. Stephen, yeah. and yeah. so. I don't know. It's just a, it was a timely uh, nugget for me today. So mm-hmm. maybe I was just meant 
That was just meant for me. No, well, else, just to, to put another layer on what you're just talking about right there is that when you're when you've had such a hard, broken life and so many struggles, and when you meet Jesus and He comes and He picks you up and He cleanses you, it's that it's that moment of that full redemptive um, restoration and love and that newness. To love those people that you might have mm-hmm. said the heck with you, right? You know, mm-hmm. because only God does such a deep work when you right. think I could never forgive that person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, you can never forgive until you meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's about having a right, right relationship with Him and no nothing hindering us. And so, what an example! Maybe I'm stretching a little bit there, but I see it. What yeah. an example of an instant. You know, because she was there trying to stay away from the other women in the town That's and right. hiding. Here she goes to them with Jesus. I mean, yeah. really, that's mm-hmm. that's a big point to point yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yep, love that. And he even just to add one more thing, he uses this as a teachable moment for his disciples that are coming back. That's what right. other town was there to go buy food except for the one mm-hmm. she lived in? They mm-hmm. knew he was Messiah, mm-hmm. and but yet she was the evangelist that he used. Mm-hmm. Love that. So there you go. Mm. Nice. Tommy, Ian, oh. you got anything you want to add to that? Yeah, girl. Before him, him Jump on? in. That was like taking a sip out of a fire hydrant right there. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Josie. So, Tommy, Ann, you mentioned the two must relate to Hannah. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. Do we want to read a little bit from Hannah? Well, yeah, just a, a little background about yeah. Hannah. And now, this is Old Testament is where she's from. And you can find her primarily in 1 Samuel um, uh, chapter 2, a little here before that and, and after. But there was a man, um, if I can pronounce it right, Elkanah. Uh, so he had two wives, and Hannah was one of them, and the other one was Penina. And I like to say her name like this, Penina. <laughs> 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 because she was an aggravating little squirt Uh-oh. toward Hannah. She was a troublemaker. Um, but uh, so so here's here's this man. He's got two women. And so Hannah was childless at this point. And then Penina was, she had several kids, you know, some boys and girls. And so yearly, this was a, de- a devout family where they really kept their the um, sacraments. They went to the temple at certain times to sacrifice. So he took his family uh, up to uh, Shiloh, I believe it was, yearly. And so at this particular time when they all went up to Shiloh to do their sacrifice for the Lord, uh, the priest Eli was there along with his two sons. Uh, and that comes in key in just a moment. But Elkanah, Elkanah, Elkanah see, I don't even know how you, E-L-K-A-N-A-H, so y'all pronounce it. So. <laughs> he showed favor to Hannah. He loved her dearly. And so he gave portions out for them to do their sacrifice, but he handed Hannah a double portion just to demonstrate his love and commitment toward her, and he did that publicly as well. So Penina was Hannah's rival, and so she provoked her bitterly to irritate her because her womb was closed. And also she knew that um, uh, she was more loved by their husband, which that sounds awkward to just say. (laughs) (laughs) That was not God's design. But in that day, you know, one of the commentaries was talking about perhaps 
um, uh, you know, Hannah was the first one he married, but when she did not have children, she uh, he married someone else to bear children because in that culture in that day, it was critical to have heritage, um, you know, to have an inheritance, and much like you maybe why Abraham went to Hagar, you know, it had to do with that. So, but this harassment went on uh, for year after year. And um, but you know what the cool thing is is that we're going to read about in a second too is I want to focus on is that um, Hannah's trials made her a pray a woman of prayer, mm-hmm. and so we'll see that in a second. So um, she was so distraught that she often when they would go that she would not eat or drink. But we can pick up in um, uh, is it First Samuel mm-hmm. um, verse eight I think it is yeah. Um, she wouldn't eat or drink. And so, and Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Man, that that stings right there. And so after that, they had eaten and drunk in, Sh- in Shiloh. And Hannah rose. She went before the Lord in her distress and bitterness. So, um, yeah, I think that's still in Scripture. I got my notes in Scriptures here together. But she went before the Lord in her distress, bitter of soul, and wept bitter- bitterly. And here she made a vow to the Lord. You want to read that? Um, verse 11, I think it is. It says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give to give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Um, do you want me to keep going? No, four? no, I, th- okay. I think that's good. Yeah. You know, she, she intended to devote him to full-time service to the Lord, mm-hmm. and that restriction of not cutting that hair uh, was a sign of, of uh, consecration mm-hmm. to God is what that was. So, mm-hmm. um, And then at, at this point, uh, we pick up, and you know, as we continue, if we kept read, reading, Eli, the priest that was there, saw Hannah um, there praying. But she wasn't praying um, where you can hear her. All Eli could see is her lips moving. And so he thought, oh, my goodness, she's a drunk woman in here. We need to get her out. And so she stops him and says, no, that I'm not. So um, let's see. Yeah, so mm-hmm. as I was thinking about um, something I wanted to point out is as she was there pouring her heart out before God, she knew that God would hear her. Mm-hmm. And so she was speaking in her heart and not with her mouth. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, he, God knows our thoughts even before words come uh, come out, and he knows our words before they are formed on our lips. And we can think of Psalms one thirty nine for that one three four. In the whole, also the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we are at our our point of moaning. You know, he translates that, and we can find that in Romans eight twenty six. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was a woman that was oppressed, mm-hmm. and so do you. What What are some of your thoughts on that on on Hannah? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you for catching us up with that story. Um, Tracy mentioned earlier she had um, just some great examples of how in different times in our lives we can relate to different women. Mm-hmm. And even when we choose a woman that we relate with at this time in our life, you know, she's also a complex woman. So <laughs> there are a lot of things about Hannah. Um, we read, I don't know if you said, but Hannah actually means grace. No, I didn't. That's good. Yeah, Hannah means grace. And, you know, we see through her dealings with her 
what is it, Jody? imagine this like living okay i mean you're sharing your husband with this woman she's so a little turkey you know and she's just prodding 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 hannah but hannah bites her tongue you know and that just shows great grace she is in the temple bitter desperate crying out to god though silently and here comes the high priest saying she's a drunk but how does she reply you know just great restraint and grace that's a characteristic of hannah um what are some other things that we saw in there um you know um yeah she has a husband who she loves very much and he loves her very much but that has got to be a sorrowful home life Mm-hmm. To watch your husband play with his children with another one. I mean, you know, we just can't imagine how much just grace and restraint that Hannah can show in her life. Mm-hmm. But um, that's actually, you know, we know of Hannah most commonly as being an infertile woman. One of the, I guess, maybe four women in scripture that is just desperate for a child. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women can identify with Hannah because of just the great sorrow mm-hmm. and just bitter heart that come along mm-hmm. um, with not having children. Mm-hmm. So um, that's actually also not one of the things that I identify with in Hannah. But what I identify with in her is just that she was an obscure woman who begged God to meet the desires of her heart. Mm-hmm. And ultimately she received the blessing that she sought f- uh, from mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And not only did he answer her prayers, but he did so exceedingly more abundantly than she ever dreamed. She asked him for a son. He did not only bless her with a son, but she had six children in total after this. And so that's just one thing I would like to, I don't know if it's more that I identify with this or I just want to identify with her. She just seems like a woman who just, even though her prayer to him at the temple was so bitter and so desperate, she, you know, I think about cast your burdens on the Lord. Like Mm -hmm. she just had the faith to give that to the Lord. And, of course, um, you know, Eli saw her, and he interceded for her as well. But, you know, she had to initially offer that prayer. Um, And I know that she didn't do it thinking that it would never be answered. You know, she had great faithfulness in just crying out to him. Um, And she was so specific in her prayer for a son. Um, But she wanted him to meet the desires of her heart. And that's even kind of changed how I have prayed. I really want the Lord to meet the desires of my heart. And I am specific, like Hannah, when she asks for a son, I give him specific requests. But my larger request is, I truly want you to meet the desire of my heart. And so if your answer to this prayer is not what I have specifically asked you for, then change my heart to let that be the desire so that I'm just as satisfied because Mm -hmm. my heart is in line with your will for my life. Mm-hmm. So that is why um, I just really am thankful for the story we have of Hannah. Mm, that's so good. I love that. love that. And I think God may put us in situations that we're really desperate just so that we will cry out to him and be, you know, pour out our desires to him. And then, like you said, ask him to transform our desires if that's not what he wants for our life. I love that. That's such a good 
perspective on him. Yeah, and it was it was really cool. I, I wanted to find the the scripture, but I was so enthralled with what you're saying, <laughs> I didn't I didn't look I didn't look that up. But you know, it's at the point um, when she, if y'all can help me think about it, but it's when uh, she got up and she left. She, her whole her whole spirit about her was different, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I wanted to pause and think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. It didn't change um, when. By the time she conceived, Mm -hmm. it changed way before then. Mm -hmm. So it was her faith in God Mm -hmm. that changed that, um, that spirit that was within her and that that vexed spirit Mm -hmm. that had so much oppression and sorrow. And I can imagine Pinana even getting more aggravated, going, what has she got to smile about? What's she doing mm-hmm. over there dancing? Mm-hmm. She should be over in the corner crying because I got all the kids and she doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but there must have been a great change in Hannah. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't thought about that until now, mm-hmm. of however long it took before uh, she conceived. And that's just a beautiful story right there. Mm-hmm. I think the Lord does that through prayer in our lives mm-hmm. when we are just pouring our heart out to him. He can, even if we don't have that answer right away, he transforms us, just bolsters our faith in him, you know, just reminds us who he is, that he's the Lord, that he is in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And and then we can walk away from that, even if we don't have the answer yet. We can walk away knowing, just being reminded of who he is and how how good he is and that he'll take care of it all. He'll handle yeah, it. It's good. Well, I, I do want us to read her prayer uh, yeah. before we end up there. But uh, while we're looking that up, I was reminded uh, in verse 20 where she named Samuel. It's because uh, she named him Samuel because uh, she said, I, I have asked him of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Samuel actually means. I was looking that up and they're not sure what Samuel means. There's uh, different varieties of that. Um, but I thought that was just really cool too. Mm-hmm. And then one, one other thing about about this particular son that she dedicated um, a bit right before we read this, and I want to pick up with it, uh, dedicated her son to serve the Lord. This son is the same one that anointed David to be king. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the baby that she was pleading where Eli said, are you drunk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's wanting to commit to the Lord. And she only asked, like you said, that for that one son not ever dreaming that he would be a devout man of God in such a way that he would be the one to anoint David. And and David, that's special to me because, you know, Christ comes from the seed of David. And it's just beautiful, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that connection right there. Did you happen to find her prayer? Yeah, it's in First um, Samuel 2. I'll read just a little bit. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts. In the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. And she goes on, but in verse 9, I love this one. Um, He will guard the the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall man prevail. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she really just recognized God's power in her whole situation Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's none like the Lord. that's why I was pouring my heart out to him. There's none like him. I know that he could do this. And then um, if we look down in verse 21 of chapter 2, it says, And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. And so he just, mm-hmm. God just took her boy, Hannah's boy that she prayed for, and and then she gave him over in obedience to the Lord. And, and God just used him in such a powerful way. So what a beautiful story of 
of Hannah's grace, but Hannah's just reliance on the Lord and and maybe this is for another episode, but it really makes me hone in on the fact that we surrender our children, mm-hmm. our loved ones to the Lord and what mm-hmm. that looks like. And looking back at her story, that was no easy task because mm-hmm. she knew that while she was nursing him, that not long after mm-hmm. that, when he was weaned, that he was going to be in a separate place and he was going to be, reside uh, at the temple. Mm-hmm. And to be able, just like what you're talking about, Tracy, of mm-hmm. that sacrifice of being so far away mm-hmm. and not being being near mm-hmm. um, but but look at all the good and wonderful things mm-hmm. that come from that so like I said that's probably another another episode there so <laughs> we like, could have spinoffs how long we're here <laughs> I know I know well ladies as we kind of round up all this wonderful conversation we like to ask our guests on hope-filled conversations if you had one chance to speak hope into someone's life what would you say to them um, I know that's a that's a full question but what would you say to them Tommy Ann well it would actually depend um, if that person was a believer mm-hmm. or not mm-hmm. if the person that I'm uh, Ask that of does not already have a relationship with Christ, I would have to honestly tell them that he is the only hope. And mm-hmm. without him, um, yeah. there is no hope. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's, it, especially, you know, today with the state of the world, it's easy for people to be in despair and they can try to escape that by a lot of means, drinking, drugs, um, even more close at home, maybe you're binge watching television or you're eating. You know, there's just a lot of things we can do to try to escape. But those things mm-hmm. all provide temporary pleasure. They're deceitful. There's no real peace and joy and happiness from those things. There's mm-hmm. just one hope, and it's to put your faith in Christ. And then he is present in your life today for hope today, but also hope for eternity. Mm-hmm. So that's really the only answer for a person who does not already have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. If it's a believer... Um, and you're in a time that seems hopeless, um, probably uh, three things. Um, the first is just to pray. Cast your burdens, worries, and cares on Him, um, and be confident that He will answer it in what's best for you. The second would be to read your Bible. There's so, so many verses that are hope-giving, um, May, may, uh, much too many to mention, but mm-hmm. I think of Second Corinthians, take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. In Romans, nothing can separate us from his love. Mm-hmm. Psalms, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Mm-hmm. James, consider your troubles joy. Peter, stand firm. Mm-hmm. So pray, um, mm-hmm. read your Bible, and just remember, look back on times in your life where he has proven himself faithful. Remember that our suffering is for our good and His glory. And remember how He molded and shaped you to be more like Him through previous times of suffering when you felt no hope. That's good. That's a good word. Thank you, Tommy. Not too much I can add to that, friend, (laughs) because that'll preach. (laughs) But uh, I just have some bullet points. And it's true. It depends whether you're talking to a believer or someone who's not yet believing. Um, But the Bible does tell us to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Mm -hmm. And hope is a person, and that person is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if it was a non-believer, I'd share my testimony, story mm-hmm. of hope, mm-hmm. of how Jesus 
I mean, just the, the story of Jesus calming the storm. Because, honestly, we all go through storms in life. Mm -hmm. We're either mm -hmm. leaving one or heading towards one or right in the middle of one. And so I always like to share a story of hope like that, especially someone who's, it, well, it really doesn't matter if you're a believer or not because it's good to be reminded that, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus commands it all. Mm -hmm. And just to remember that, you know, God chooses the hopeless situation that you're in and it, he's sovereign and he created that situation circumstances uh, for a reason um if you're lost it so you'll be saved <laughs> mm -hmm. so you'll meet that person that is the hope and that's jesus mm -hmm. um and if you're not it's to perfect you mm -hmm. and i was thinking about this when you're talking about hannah she had confidence in god mm -hmm. and confidence in god is the hope that keeps us from despair mm -hmm. and Hope makes all the difference. When we have hope, we can persevere. So it almost jumpstarts perseverance. And the, to me, the most important thing is hope found you on the way to someone else. Um, just like the story of the Samaritan woman, Jesus was on his way somewhere else, mm -hmm. but he intersected with her life on the way to intersect with someone else's life. But that sent her off to intersect with someone else's life. And so hope is meant to be regifted. Mm -hmm. And so um, for us, our most desirable place is to be where we can give hope and not always be the receiver of hope. Mm -hmm. So just some thoughts. That's so good. Yeah. And then, ladies, we just wanted to ask how we could best pray for you. We know that y'all's situations are kind of weird with all the coronavirus stuff that's throwing kind of a loop in your plans, but how can we best pray for y'all in your ministry and um, just as you're in your life or personally, any, any way you want to share? Go ahead. <laughs> um, for me, um, I mentioned in the last episode, tune in if you have not listened yeah. to that yet, <laughs> but that my husband and I have recently, um, we were on the field and we had to leave the country where we had served for about 13 years. And we have a new assignment in a new country. And so in order to get into a new country, we need a new visa. So that's actually why we're in the United States right now. And um, we are just trying to get all of our paperwork and documentation together to apply for that visa. So if you guys can just pray um, that we go back on the exact day that he has planned for us. And we know that he's in control of that. For us, it seems... Uh, a little frustrating and we just wonder why we're here so long but we know that he has a, a plan uh, for the exact time we're supposed to arrive so just that we can get that documentation in and that we can get on back to where our hearts uh, really want to be mm -hmm. and so um, we would just really appreciate your prayers for that yeah absolutely that's great yeah well we too will be starting a new assignment which we've already started um, <laughs> In theory, we've not hit the ground because we're still here. Um, but we will also begin a new uh, assignment, uh, being strategy leaders for about 22 million people in seven districts in South Asia. And, um, you know, the greater work has already begun. We're praying for these places, every place, every people. Um, but we're content. We don't know when or if you know, this will ever end, but we're content with where we are because we're exactly where God wants us to be because mm -hmm. this is where we are. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So our prayer is just to be 
to continue to be useful to the Lord, usable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess that looks more like, you know, I love, I'm just going to copy Jody and say clean and close. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, So that we would, you know, continue our abiding and hearing clearly from the Lord. And we just want him to establish the works of our hands. That's Psalm 9017. Mm -hmm. Um, That's our go-to is just wherever we are, just uh, let us be useful where we are. And, you know, in his timing, we'll go back or we'll just see. Um, but that's a big one for us. And mm-hmm. another one for us is establishing some good, healthy rhythms, um, you know, with rest involved. And, yeah, we're not really good at that, but we yeah. need to be. Yeah. Awesome. So that's well, yeah. We will be praying for y'all. All right. I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for being with us. It's been a treat. It's been awesome. It's been such a blessing. So. Lord, thank you so much for Tracy and Tommy, and thank you for their faithfulness to serve you. I pray, I do pray for their ministries. I pray that you'll just bless them and um, do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine, as only you can. And and Lord, I pray for our listeners. Um, I pray that they have been encouraged by um, the hope that they can only have through you. Thank you so much for providing that hope through your word and and through your son, Jesus. And I pray that um, as we go throughout our lives, that we will bring glory to you and that you will establish the works of our hands. And um, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.